All right, welcome into episode 13 of the Legal Fiction Podcast, where we dissect and analyze legal movies, because who wouldn't want to do that? Uh, it's lucky that it is episode 13, because it is the start of spooky season, baby. October. Oh, man. Pumpkin spice, everything, and stupidly gory movies available on every streaming apparatus. Like, things you didn't even know exist. You're like, yeah, I guess I could watch that. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you'll never have a bad time like watching one of those movies. Yeah, you might be like, this movie's dumb, but I'm at least I'm having fun. Yeah, no, no, my lizard brain, my lizard brain is engaged. Show me <laughs> some more gore. Uh, though, like, I kind of want to like break from modern horror, Joe, and really, like, if it if it was an option, like, I wish like HBO Go would bundle me all of the original, like, say nine Friday the 13th movies. So I could go back and watch like, you know, three or four or without having to pay rental fees for each one. Same with like the first like five Nightmare on Elm Streets, you know, really get back into that shit. Yeah, I mean, I think Friday the 13th, if I remember correctly, is in some like stupid IP lawsuit right now for rights. And that's what's like causing no streaming service to basically have it on their platform. Hmm. But if you are looking to get into like, just straight up all horror movies. I personally have Shudder, which is like 50 bucks for an entire year. And it's like a Netflix, but only for scary movies. So they have new stuff that comes out, but they have like really obscure old like 70s and like 60s, even like scary movies and stuff. Mm, I didn't realize your addiction went so deep, Joe. You got a, <laughs> a streaming apparatus I've never heard of before. So, all right, right on. Good deal. Um, speaking of other scary stuff, though, I turned 30 this last week. Womp, womp. Life is over. Yeah. Yep. Well, look, it's not over. It's not over. It just doesn't get any better. <laughs> so as good as you felt getting up this morning for whatever reason, that's as good as you could ever hope to feel every day for the rest of your days. Oh, yeah, dude. My, my back has been fucked since I was like 22. So it's just going downhill from here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, happy birthday, Joe. Uh, welcome to the uh, three-decade club. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun place to be. Fun place to be. I legitimately got in my mail an AARP card, too. Like an invitation <laughs> to join AARP. Like, I was like, come on, this is too on the nose. Is there like an early bird membership, so to speak? Uh, you can like join them like as young as like 30, I guess. I, could, I get a free, if, it's like 15 bucks for a year. I get a free messenger bag if I join, so I'm kind of thinking about it. I mean, depending on the quality of the bag, fuck yeah. Totally worth the investment. Yeah, get some, you know, get a, like a little discount at the cafeteria on top of it. Why not? <laughs> uh, my uh, week also sucked because I lost Christian McCaffrey because um, I did have the first overall pick in my fantasy season. So I think my season is screwed. I uh, had the same thing in a league that I'm in, Joe. It, uh, for the second year in a row, I've had Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. Fucking that guy. And it's becoming an unhealthy relationship. Mm. Like, I think I may need to like cycle off, maybe go rebound with a Dalvin Cook or, uh, I mean, hell, at this point, I'd take a, you know, a Miles Taylor just to kind of level out. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Christian loves us. Uh, I think he'll be back. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, our, uh, uber hetero male bro tendencies are why people listen to this podcast uh because there just simply isn't enough fantasy football content in the potosphere uh we have to weigh in just uh 
you know what, much like we say, if, you know, don't go to law school, if you uh, don't do fantasy football and think to yourself, I'd like to get into that. Just, just don't like <laughs> there are any number of more productive things to do with your time. Uh, it does yeah. make Sundays like more miserable because you're like, God damn it. Like watching, like, it's not just like watching your favorite team and them like screwing you over. It's like watching every team and be like, God, why'd you drop that? God damn, why are they not playing him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And each failed decision, and there are so many in any given lineup, uh, just sort of snowballs. And suddenly you, it, it just sort of pulls the veil back and it's just sort of like, wow, I guess I'm just bad at making decisions generally. So <laughs> shit. Um, I mean, I can't really opt out of the whole making decisions game, but here we are. Speaking of uh, bad decisions, um, we're going to move right into entertainment news. We could talk about legal news, but I didn't really have anything for this. Eh, It's dead out there, man. It's dead. Other than like they're starting to fire people who aren't getting vaccinated, which I don't really have a take on other than just get vaccinated. But speaking of bad decisions, uh, the Dear Evan Hansen movie came out. Uh, I'm going to guess that you haven't seen it. Neither have I. And it is not getting good reviews, uh, although the audience score is good, which in my opinion just means theater kids are at it again. Mm-hmm. Listen, we... we... <laughs> I, I said this on Starting Twitter. Starting to get we worried need... about theater kids, man. They are... I said this on Twitter. We need to start bullying theater kids again because this has gone too far. You know what? I think, you know, we might need Congress to get involved at a certain point. Like, you know, I mean, we have, you know, various hate crime legislation. We could just have the reverse of that and some sort of like a tax credit or whatnot for proof of bullying theater kid. Uh, <laughs> you know, they used, listen, we all grew up with theater kids. And, you know, back in the day, pre like insanely incestuous social media you just deal with them as they come and it was manageable. Yeah, it was annoying. Fine. But then once they can find each other on the internet, much like conspiracy theorists and, uh, you know, white supremacists, it becomes a problem. It becomes an issue of national security and someone's got to take matters into their own hands. Yeah. It's, I just, I have no interest in seeing it. (laughs) Like really like, Oh, fuck no, fuck no. God. Like, Oh, I just, I get the conceit it's it's original but then if I take if I think on it for 5 seconds like do I want to watch a musical just about suicide like you know maybe when I was a pouty you know 19 year old but now I'm just like nah nah yeah. I'm, I'm I'm good um other things that look like they're going to suck uh have you seen the list of the new Super Mario voice cast uh, only if only the highlights. So, uh, hit me with them, man. Hit me. Well, uh, uh, I'll start from the back because I don't. Uh, the first these ones aren't as controversial. First off, I'm. I didn't. Did you play Nintendo a lot as kid? Yes. Okay. I was more, absolutely. <laughs> see, I was more of a PlayStation person. I had a. Uh, uh, my next door neighbor had the Nintendo, so it'd be like Nintendo at his place, PlayStation at mine. So I didn't know it as much. I don't know who Spike is from the Super Mario games, but that's played by Sebastian Maniscalco, who I know was in um, The Irishman. He was one oh, of okay. the gangsters in that. Uh, I'm going to skip the next one because I don't even know who that is. Fred Armisen is Cranky Kong, which I don't remember Cranky Kong from the Donkey Kong uh, games. Well, you know, like, you know, uh, wait, Cranky Kong? 
I don't in, remember Cranky Kong. I remember Diddy Kong, but I, don't I remember, remember Diddy Kong. I remember Chunky, uh, but I don't remember or uh, Cranky Kong. I guess we're not with it anymore, man. Uh, okay, the next one, which is eh, Donkey Kong, is Seth Rogen. <laughs> I like that actually. That's pretty good. Uh, the thing is, I don't really. Was Donkey Kong in the original Super Mario Brother movie with uh, John Leguizamo? Well, you see, that's a trick question because no one saw that movie. Like, Come no on. one. Come on, you saw I, that movie. I didn't. I didn't. I. I even at the at a tender young age, I looked at that. It's just you know, in Tim Riggins' voice, able to assess it as that's crap uh, and move on despite being a huge, you know, Nintendo fan and diehard as I was just, just looked like shit. And, you know, Rotten Tomatoes has bored this out for me. So I don't need to examine it further. That's uh, that's some real uh, slander to my, my man's Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. Listen, I love John Leguizamo, but like that movie can get fucked. Ugh. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really remember one, I don't remember him even having a voice in the video game, so I'm like, whatever. I don't really care about that one. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key, though, is Toad. And doesn't Toad have, like, a childlike voice in all the games? Yeah. Well, because he's so tiny. Yeah, he's But... Uh, and, like, I mean... I can't picture Keegan-Michael Key without, like, some sort of, like, aggressive, like, voice for, a, for yeah. an animated character. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... uh... He's a great voice. He's a great comedian. He'll make a good voice actor. It's just weird to think that Toad, as a character, his little mushroom hat, it's not a hat. That's mushroom. Like, he's got just hat meat up there. That's all flesh. That, that, that part weirds me out, man. Uh, right. So I'm wondering if what Michael will do with that. The next one, which honestly I'm not too insulted or up in arms either by, is... Bowser is going to be voiced by Jack Black. It's not a big deal to me because, like, Bowser, again, he has a voice in the games, but I think Jack Black is animated enough that he can do something with that. Yeah, Jack Black, listen, anyone in any studio making an animated kids movie is going to be like, can we get Jack Black? Period. Like, I mean, you want him, right? And, but the thing is, when we get into the top three, this is when I get into like, Man, voice actors get fucked because Hollywood has moved from like let's cast voice actors who like can do a bunch of different types of voices to let's just cast famous people. And that's in the first one here. Luigi is going to be voiced by Charlie Day, which Charlie Day is funny, but I don't picture like that voice together. Like he's funny as Charlie Day. He's not funny as like Luigi. Like he's yeah, not- and I don't. I've never thought of Luigi as particularly manic or scattered. Yeah, that's a, uh, I don't know. Uh, clearly, by the casting, the sh- the movie is telling us where it's going to go with the characterizations. And uh, then uh, the two worst ones, uh, Peach is going to be voiced by Anya Taylor Joy, which I think is like dumb because she doesn't, at least to me, doesn't have a distinctive voice. Like I, I like you know when you like hear someone like they can do a good cartoon voice, or you hear someone who's a famous person, you're like, oh, that's so and so. It's not like I'm going to hear her in a movie and be like, I know that that's on a Taylor Joy's voice. Well, uh, I guess consistent with her character throughout the video games, man. Like, Peach is just the, uh, uh, yeah. what, what's the, uh, 
oh god what's the term the MacGuffin essentially like she's just (laughs) oh we've got to go save MacGuffin oh okay that's why we're doing all this and then obviously the 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 worst one that everyone is all up in arms about Mario is going to be voiced by Chris Pratt which what the fuck uh that's Italian erasure that's what that is is. oh my god it's one of the like I just saw that and I was like fuck why why so okay okay luigi uh, let's do alternative casting luigi voiced by tony shalhoub yeah okay is he yeah. fuck no he's not okay john turturro that's john good. turturro that's john good. turturro would would rock as luigi and then to be more of the alpha to that sort of uh data you, you gotta go uh well stallone wouldn't be fun uh Fuck it. I don't know. Charles Bronson. Screw it. <laughs> Just go for it. It's a really dark Mario. <laughs> yeah, it would get very dark. Just killing but... every turtle and like. Yeah. <laughs> hey, turtle. Oh, made me jump on you. Kuka. I told you. Uh, so, speaking though of moving on to better news for the Italians, uh, on October 1st, the day after this episode drops, we will finally get the many states of Newark. It better not suck. That's all I ask. Early, early uh, reviews of it have been good so far. I am a bit, uh, like, you know, nervous about it. But, you know, if it sucks or even if it doesn't, I'm still going to watch it. Like, I'm still going to see it. Like, I don't I don't care because I fucking love The Sopranos, man. I, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So that yeah, means uh, rock. It is going to make me yeah. sad watching it, though, because, like, seeing Michael Gandolfini, like, play his father, I'm like, whew, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah, and again, I hope he doesn't suck, like objectively. He's he's been in like a couple movies, nothing like main role, I think, uh, just yet. But he's been in like I can't. I think he's in one of the oceans, uh, maybe something like that. I can't. Remember. But he he just started acting, so like in terms of like bigger roles. Uh, but also right speaking of uh, sons taking up the mantle, did you watch the newest trailer drop? Which actually we talked about this movie months ago on the pod um the new paul thomas anderson movie uh yeah it's getting harder and harder for me to get excited about paul thomas anderson oh dude i'm so ready for this movie it looks so all right that's the divide in us as as movie nerds you're an actual knowledgeable movie nerd who can appreciate these things whereas i'm just sort of like oh yeah pta yeah i'm I'm sure that movie will be long i like how sure it'll be long oh yeah but it's like it's like it's going to be a movie about the 70s that I did not grow up in about adolescence and somehow still I'm going to project my own insecurities onto it. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> but speaking of it, it is the main person in it besides uh, Alana. I always fuck up her last name, the band Heim. 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 Uh, she, uh, the, her opposite starring her is Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Hmm. Oh man, the sons are coming out. Which is our, pretty nice to see. Our that, big like, adult sons. It's pretty nice to see that, like, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't, I don't think he got his start, but he was known for getting a lot more exposure in the PTA films of, like, you know, Boogie Nights. I think that's where he became the serious actor, yeah. or at least, you know, like. And to see like that mantle now get passed on to Cooper, like it's it's really nice to see. So I'm I'm excited for Licorice Pizza. We haven't said the the name of it yet, but. 
Very excited to see that. It is also funny that Bradley Cooper is playing the guy who produced A Star is Born when it was Barbara Streisand's movie. Hmm. Little uh, meta meta textuality yeah. there. Okay, and like That's maybe cool. he could win the Oscar for playing the guy who made A Star Is Born when he didn't win the Oscar for his own A Star Is Born. Mm. Yeah, not to mention all of the you know snubs he got as playing Rocket the Raccoon. I got it this time. I got it this time. I thought he was. I thought he was inspired as an animated raccoon. But. He actually was a good voice. Yeah, no, he was a good voice. Uh, he put him in the fucking Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is Vin Diesel Italian? Maybe he could be in this too then. Uh, so I haven't looked it up, but Vin Diesel, that's not his real last name, right? You know what? I got to look it up right now. Okay, because Vin I, Diesel. I just Googled Vin Diesel. In the, for uh, It's got to be the computer listening to me because the first suggestion was Vin Diesel Italian. Yes, it is listening to you, uh, listeners. Oh, uh, dude, his, it's not even his first real first name. Whoa. Okay, hit me with it. What do you think? What, what, uh, pick a boring name. Charles. No, his name is Mark Sinclair. Which Mark like, Sinclair. Like, as like a different career could be cool. But when you're leading with Vin Diesel and then you find your name is just Mark, I'm like, yeah, fuck. Yeah, uh, Vin Diesel, like, my best frame of reference is, in fact, like most people, it's the Fast and Furious movies. As Dominic Toretto, his ethnic heritage is a little, like, unclear. He's, he's, uh, I'm reading it right now. He's even said himself he doesn't really know. Uh, he said, like, his mom was... He was raised by a white mother and an adoptive African-American father. And he's like, uh, it's kind of ambiguous. What my, he's like, my mom is English, German, and Scottish, and I've never met my father. So like, he, even he doesn't really know. Damn. Tough, tough upbringing for Mark Sinclair. Mark Sinclair. God damn it. Yeah, that's the worst bit of news I've learned today. Uh, matter was, of fact, like, heartbreaking. I really want his name to be Vin. Now I want to know where he came up with Vin Diesel. Because like, did it... Well, he did he start, start us doing porn? Well, I'm like, <laughs> he didn't start in Fast and Furious. Like that wasn't his first movie. No, no, I think but he was it in makes Boiler Sense. For that. Yeah, he was in Boiler Room before Fast and Furious, as I recall. He oh, was, he was in a uh, Pitch Black before. Fast no, and Furious. he was. Well, it was okay. It and Fast it was, was two thousand one. Shit. Okay, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, no, I'll just take you at your word for that. That just doesn't seem right, but all right. It, does, it doesn't seem right. The only reason I'm saying this is because I have his Wikipedia pulled up right now. Well, that's not fucking fair. <laughs> uh, so moving on uh, to our last segment of entertainment news, some more somber news. I hate having to, we keep having to do these segments, um, but Norm MacDonald unfortunately passed away after a long, I think, nine-year battle with cancer. Uh, something that Honestly, it was probably one of the hardest hits that I personally felt um, for entertainment uh, tragedies that we've had this past year. And obviously, I don't want to make it about myself. It's, it's about him. But just someone who really shaped my, my sense of humor and things that I found you know, funny. And so definitely a, a huge loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, rest in peace. Uh, yeah. I do like his one quote where he's like, you know, if you, if you get cancer, 
I'm going to butcher it, but he's like, if you get cancer and you end up dying from it, that's not a loss. That's a tie. Mm -hmm. Cancer dies with it. So that's a tie, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, I'm not going to make it about me, uh, but love Norm MacDonald. And I believe one of his most recent specials, so one of his last specials, is available on Netflix right now. So check it out. Uh, And then after that, if you're not convinced, just YouTube old SNL weekly updates and just listen to him riff, just rip into... German people oh. loving David Hasselhoff and OJ Simpson being a murderer allegedly. You can find like entire like 10 minute montages of just him just ripping into OJ over it's and over. It's fucking like, beautiful. And I'm sure most people know but like that was the reason he was fired from SNL was cuz of like he wouldn't stop joking about OJ and like one of the producers was like I'm friends with him, you need to stop and he was just like okay and then the next day he just made another joke about OJ on air. Yeah, back when comedians had had some balls. Mm -hmm. Apologize for the gendered term, folks, but it's appropriate. All right. Well, like we mentioned, it is the start of spooky season. And so we are starting off with one of the very few uh, legal horror movies. Uh, If you haven't seen the title of this episode, this week we are talking about The Devil's Advocate. A young attorney has the chance of a lifetime. Bill Chadwick Waters, we want you to come to New York. All expenses, first class, travel and lodging, you and your wife. Oh my God. He will enter a place of wealth and ambition. We've got 40 partners vested at the moment. In addition to our corporate clients, we're currently representing about 25 foreign countries. He's got you scheduled for 15 minutes, so make the most of it. John Milton. Kevin Lomax. Well, what's that like? One day you're putting them away, next day you're setting them free. Takes a little getting used to. Pays better though, doesn't it? Welcome to Babylon, Ma. Speak of the devil. <laughs> a world of power and seduction. Who's that with the senator? Controlled by one man. I swear he can hear us. Hell, he can smell us. He will make your dreams come true. Want to come upstairs and... Now? He will grant your fondest wish. I'm just warming my hands on your talent. You know what I see? I see the future of this law firm. He knows your greatest fear. Milton is into everything. Arms broken, chemical weapons, toxic waste, money laundering for the Eastern Bloc. I mean, it goes on and on. I don't like it here, Kevin. And he knows the price of your soul. Let's make a beef. Who are you? Oh, I have so many names. I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. God likes to watch. He's an absentee landlord. Keanu Reeves. He's always been there. I know that now. Al Pacino. As God sleeps late. We will win. It's my time now. (laughs) The Devil's Advocate. Yep, and I've poured myself a uh, whiskey here uh, to sip on. and It it just seems fitting uh, with this movie, which is in seemingly in every attorney's office in this movie, there is like a mini wet bar (laughs) there, you know? And it's just like... Definitely the richest law firm we've seen so far in the oh, yeah. show, and probably will hold up for a long time. 
Yeah, I don't see us topping this one. Um, so yeah, The Devil's Advocate, 1997. Yeah, 1997 mm-hmm. movie. Uh. Big cast, uh, headed by Keanu Reeves. Boom. Uh, yes, who actually uh, turned down Speed Two to star in this movie. Yeah, I, I I saw that and I thought that was actually a good decision for him. <laughs> yeah, know? it was actually it was actually a better decision. Uh, like fuck you, eat, eat eat my shit, Jason Patrick. You can go <laughs> <laughs> go after my leftovers on a boat. <laughs> See what happens. Uh, so yeah, it stars Keanu Reeves. Uh, next is Al Pacino. Uh, then Charlize Theron. Uh, mm-hmm. Also has supporting cast of Jeffrey Jones, who is definitely like that guy. Uh, when I saw him pop up on screen, uh, Coach Craig T. Nelson. Craig in- T. Nelson, baby. Uh, and then just another, uh, lots of other people that we'll get to throughout the throughout the plot here, based in part on. Dante's Inferno and Paradise Lost, uh, which in fact was written by John Milton, which is the name of uh, yeah. Character the, this, this movie's so not a, a the movie's not exact. Yeah, the movie's not subtle with its uh, free ranging allegory, metaphor, and uh, themes uh, that it's playing with of good and evil, uh, you know, whatnot. Uh, well, uh, don't let me get into the textual analysis so, before we even get through the facts of the case, Joe. Sure. So hit hit me. Let's go. So we start off with Keanu Reeves. He is a defense lawyer in Gainesville, Florida. Fucking Duval County, baby. And props to this movie for actually showing Florida for being an actual Southern shithole. Like most Yankees and Midwest and a lot of Midwesterners who don't know better, just assume that Florida is like sort of this resort state. It's where old people go. It's, it's very, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Florida is the most South of the deep South. Like it doesn't get... More south than North Florida. I say, yeah, Gainesville is North Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so it's, it's not like, exactly in the panic, but yeah, it's she's up there. Yeah, because uh, the whole saying is the further north you go in Florida, the more south you are. Mm-hmm. And so he is a defense lawyer. He has uh, specifically never lost a case. Um, we actually learned he used to be a prosecutor, and there he never lost cases. And that's a big thing with him is that he doesn't like to lose. He never likes to lose a case. Uh, he is currently defending school teacher Lloyd Geddes, uh, played by uh, Frank Sabatka. Frank Sabatka! Yeah. Uh, Good to see that. I'm glad to see the union paid out for a decent attorney on this one. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, did, respect. I didn't realize it until the very end of the movie because I just wasn't focusing on him. And then it got back and I was like, that guy looks really familiar. And then I went to the Wikipedia. I was like, oh, that's fucking Frank Sabatka. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is a math teacher. I think like a high school math teacher. He is on trial for, uh, I don't know if it's rape or sexual assault, some form of sexual assault case. With and a student. With Yeah, with a student who is on the stand right now. Uh, the woman playing the student is another person where I'm like, that's a that dude. Like I've mm-hmm. seen her in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Heather Matarazzo. And I've I don't know what it's from, but there's so many things I've seen her in. So, and it's always small things. Like the one I go to is in. Uh, she plays. If you're a fan, speaking of ha- you know haunted movies and you know Halloween time, in Scream Three, mm-hmm. she plays the daughter or not daughter, excuse me, the younger sister of Randy, who is played by Jamie Kennedy in the first That's two right. Screams, who gets murdered, sadly to say, in, you know, midway through Scream Two. Yes. Yeah, so 
she is on the stand basically detailing what the teacher did to her. Uh, Pretty gross shit. Yeah, I mean, terrible stuff. And we see at the same time that the teacher's kind of like reveling in it. He's like rubbing the desk and like. Yeah, it's pretty, it's it's some real sicko shit right there. Yeah. Uh, Keanu realizes it at the same time. So he calls for a recess and he apparently at this point realizes that his client is guilty, which it's like, I I feel like you would have already kind of realized. Yeah. Or are we to believe that this is the first time you've ever had this feeling that like all of your. You've pitched a fucking shutout against the opposing parties with your entire career and all and you were in the right all the time, like on yeah. a philosophical or moral level. Come on, buddy. Yeah. So he goes to the bathroom to like splash water on his face. Uh, his friend, who's a reporter, Larry, comes in and is basically like, yeah, you're fucked. And, uh, you know, better. Like, everyone has to lose sometime. And mm-hmm. can't so- win them all. He, he goes back in, he gives a really harsh cross-examination, basically says that it actually wasn't any, this is all made up because you had your other friends who you did some weird party with that like sexual in nature. And you said you'd sell them out if you didn't make up the story with you. And actually uh-huh. you're just failing math and he had to punish you. So you wanted to get back at him, blah, blah, blah. Have you had any discipline problems in math class this year? No. No? Isn't it true Mr. Geddes has had to talk to you repeatedly about your behavior? Isn't that why he asked you to stay after class? No. Have other teachers ever asked you to stay after class? Once or twice. Did they want to talk to you about your behavior? Objection. Immaterial. Goes to motive. Overruled. You may answer the question. Well, I don't know what the other teachers wanted. You'd have to talk to them. You ever pass notes in class, Barber? Maybe a note that made fun of Mr. Geddes. No. No? Never called him a disgusting pig monster? Order. No. Your Honor, I pre-marked this defense exhibit A. Objection. Your Honor, we've had plenty of time for discovery here. I'm gonna let this in, Mr. Lomax. I'm also going to suggest that if you have any other exhibits you present in a timely fashion or not at all. I'm sorry, Barbara, I was wrong. It's huge hog beast. (laughs) This is your handwriting, isn't it? Yes. You wrote this in Mr. Getty's class. It's a joke. He's a huge hog beast. He probably eats a thousand pancakes for breakfast. You're writing here about Mr. Geddes, aren't you? It was meant to be a joke. Have you ever had a party at your house, Barbara? When your parents were away? Objection. Your Honor, this is way out of Credibility and bias. Overruled. Answer the question. Yes. Have you ever heard of a game called Special Places? You're under oath, Barbara. A man's career, his reputation, his life is on the line. This is not a joke. Have you ever played the game Special Places? Yes. Is this game sexual in nature? Is this game sexual in nature? We only played it once. This special party, Barbara. 
This was the first time you told the story about Mr. Geddes, wasn't it? Yes. I've spoken to some of the other children who were there that day. Can you think of anything else, Barbara? They might have told me about that party. Your Honor, if he has other witnesses, let him call them. If I need to call those other children, I will. Sustain that, Mr. Lomax. Rephrase your question. You threatened those children, didn't you? That's not the way it happened. You told them to lie, to falsely claim that Mr. Geddes had hurt them. These things did happen. Because if they didn't go along, you were going to tell everyone about this special party. They happened to me. So you made up a story, a special story, a story about a math teacher who was tough on you, who kept you after class, a huge hog beast you didn't like. That's what really happened, isn't it? No, I didn't want to be the only one. I have no further questions, Your Honor. I'm going to adjourn here for today. We'll be back here at 9 o'clock in the morning, and people will behave themselves here or find themselves in contempt. Got it! So he just uh, basically takes away her credibility. He gets declared not guilty. Uh, he then goes and just uh, celebrates at a bar with his wife and two other or one other lawyer and like the reporter there as well. Uh, they're just totally, totally ethical for just the, the reporter to just literally be like <laughs> that attorney's like bar bestie. Oh, and also I cover you like I, moving on. Yeah, um, they uh there's like a weird dance scene where Keanu's just like eating Charlie's Theron's butt, like on the dance floor, like while they're drunk. Be clear the meaty part of the butt, like the glute, you know, uh, not, you know, not getting in there. Not, uh, not, not actual, yeah, in there. But so he's, he's drunk at the bar. And this is where we get the first uh, introduction to someone from the Milton firm of Lehman Heath, finds him in the bar, gives him his card. And he's like, you know, we're really interested in you. And at this point, they want to just pay him a flat fee to come out and do jury selection for them because they think that he's like the best that they can find. Uh, he thinks that it's like, he's like, whatever. But then he gives him the amount and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, actually, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll take a week in New York. Fuck it. So he goes up there and we basically find out that uh, whatever school uh, that Gene Hackman went to is apparently the same school that Keanu went to in this uh, movie because he just knows like everything about all these like jurors by just looking at them and is able to pick and strike the right jurors to where there's one holdout and it's a not guilty verdict for this one. All right, Mr. Clinton, let me ask you this. Do you think as a juror you would be able to set aside any prior opinion you might hold about the savings and loan industry? That was a question, sir. What? Do I like bankers? <clears throat> uh, Your Honor, may I have a minute, please, to confer with my colleagues? You may. Dump them. While you're at it, let's get rid of number four and six. And I'd say lose number 12, except the prosecutor's gonna fuck up and do it for us. Number six? You're kidding, right? She's my first choice. She's my first pass. And four? With the dreadlocks. 
That's crazy. That's a defendant's juror if I ever saw one. Did you see his shoes? Uh, look, kid, maybe down in Florida, you are the next big thing. This is New York, Manhattan. We're not squeezing oranges here. He polishes those shoes every night. He makes his own clothes. He may look like a brother with an attitude to you, but I see a man with a shotgun under his bed. And woe betide the creature who steps into his garden. And number six, your favorite, she's damaged goods. She's a Catholic schoolteacher. Hmm? Believes in human frailty? No. There's something missing from her. She's wrong. She wants on this jury. Somebody hurt her and she wants revenge. How the hell do you know that? I don't know. Look, either you put a stop to this happy or shit or I walk. Walk. All right, here's the deal. I lose with your jury, you do the explaining. Your Honor, may I continue? We'd like to excuse jurors three, four, and... He then gets called in to meet with the head of the firm, John Milton, and that is Al Pacino himself. His name is literally John Milton. Yeah, the movie is called The Devil's Advocate. It's about any number of themes, whether it's a Faustian make a deal with the devil or just a general good and evil kind of thing. It's literally named after the author of Paradise Lost, which is about what, Joe? Among other things, original sin and Satan's fall from grace. Yeah, but it's a bit on the nose for sure. A bit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we've also met Kevin's mother at this point before he left for New York, and she's like super very, evangelical. Yeah, super uh, or fundamentalist is like I think is what I saw some of the descriptions online. I don't know the same thing. Well, I think fundamentalist is what we used to refer. Well, okay, evangelical overtook the term fundamentalist. Okay, okay. As that shit got more and more popular, it's it's not couth to refer to the fundamentalist voters, but you can refer to them as evangelical voters. Uh, so mm-hmm, that's brand yeah. new, baby. So, yeah, she's very, like, you know, Southern church, like, works. I think she works at, like, a some sort of plant and goes to uh, At the cancer day. factory, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> very just, like, blue-collar uh, woman who only cares about religion and her son. And she, at the same time, is not married, never been married. She had, uh, he doesn't, Keanu Reeves doesn't know who his father is. He's just been told that he was some deadbeat who left her, basically. And he gets offered by John Milton to come onto the firm to basically start up their criminal defense sector of the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not some... just like any firm. I mean, it's a big firm. It's beautiful. Like they pull out, like, I think that's the first sign I've ever seen an infinity pool. Like they have infinity pools, like uh, on top like of this skyscraper. Code and, infinity pool. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. And like, like uh, there's no guardrails on any of the walk spaces. I was like, dude, you're in Manhattan. Like, like this is like what? 50 stories up at least. Like, mm-hmm, you're... Mm-hmm. So like him getting pulled in, you're going to build our criminal defense practice. You know what? That's a huge, uh, huge ask. And you know what? It's going to pay a lot too. But yeah, like you said, it's a huge firm. He gets to meet everyone in the firm who runs like real estate and mergers and acquisitions. He in particular meets Christabella who runs their like foreign basically law. Like she like speaks Italian and German. And she, when he first meets her, she's I think is speaking Italian with some client on Uh the phone. 
So they, uh, which this is the first scene that we, uh, we see Jeffrey Jones because he's the managing partner. I was like, oh shit, Jeffrey Jones. Hey, Principal Rooney. How are we doing? Principal Rooney. I don't remember his name, but the dad in Beetlejuice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he then gets his first case, which is defending a man who was, I think, he was like just sacrificing goats in his basement. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was slaying a goat inside his basement. Uh, and, you know, it's a health code violation. The police raided, played by Delroy Lindbergh. I know. Who was, this was uncredited. He was not credited. Yeah, for this well, exactly. Cause like I didn't know who he was in, but then I was watching, rewatching it, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's Delroy Lindbergh. Yeah. And, and I looked it up. It's like, why is it not showing? I had to like do a little bit deeper Googling. Like, oh, I don't, I don't understand the politics of uncredited on this kind of shit. But like, whatever. Know. He he must have pissed someone off or vice versa. Uh, take you know, take my name off of it. But and uh, you know, to uh, Wonder Boy's credit, you know, he turns the tables on the prosecution and says, uh, no, no, this wasn't an unlawful like you know like animal cruelty or a hygiene issue it's a religious ceremony he killed it and he ate it in accordance with his religion much like you know the various uh kosher statutes that we have that allow certain you know kosher preparations a certain way and he plays it right to his jewish judge who just goes yeah i'm familiar with those uh <laughs> and at the same time there's like voodoo going on yes he is like, he practices voodoo that and that's the religion i think yeah we stepped yeah. over that one uh, well because like delroy nails a bunch of nails into a cow tongue to like curse the prosecutor and then the prosecutor starts like choking and coughing during the uh the hearing so i'm like so there's also voodoo in this mm-hmm. movie uh but we then get to where everyone gets to meet at this point uh Keanu Reeves and Charlie Theron have moved to New York. They've been given one of like the really nicest apartments. All is it even the firm is in the same building that the seems like the firm owns a beautiful like building full of penthouses and all the attorneys just live there, which I'm like, "Eh, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure they cut them a good deal, you know? So it makes sense. And so they have a party for the firm. There's some very, very bad 90s CGI in a couple of different ones. One when they're on the infinity pool, the second shot where they're at this party and they got on like the terrace. And I'm like, you can tell they're, and I don't know what it was because this whole movie was filmed in New York in various spots. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just like, the timing wasn't right, but there's some, and you can't really begrudge it because it was the nineties and they did what they could, but there's some shots where I'm like, damn, that does, that did not age well. But he gets to meet Christabella more, talks with her. You can tell he's kind of starting to, uh, he's Jonesing. Yeah, he's starting to have the hots for at the same time. Uh, John Milton Al Pacino's character is having a lot of interactions with Charlize Theron, where he's kind of trying to charm her and informs her that her perm in the late '90s is a little yeah, trashy, yeah. which also is true. I'm like, yeah, honey, like by the late '90s standards, like, yeah, that's a you're you're about eight or nine years behind the curve on this one, so. Yeah, what some people thought might be sort of a pervy or inappropriate conversation, I look at it like, well, you know, that's <laughs> that's just good advice. Fashion, yeah. yeah. Uh, Welcome to New York. Also, there's a Trump reference, like Donald yeah, couldn't make it to this party. Here, but he couldn't make it. Yeah, just uh, like it, yeah, I, I I'd forgotten about that. I was laughing my ass off at that. Uh, he, Keanu then gets his next client, which is Alex Cullen, played by Craig T. Nelson. Bum bum. Coach. Uh, 
coach himself is a billionaire in this uh, world. Real estate developer. Yeah. And he has been accused of murdering his wife, his stepson, and the maid. He Milton assigns it directly to Keanu uh, under protest of some of the other ones. He's like, this guy just started here. And you're going to give him like one of our best like paying clients. So, but basically the work becomes more and more demanding of him. It starts for him to separate from Marianne. She's really not liking it. Uh, she yeah, has, he's losing it, man. Yeah, she's starting to lose it. She has some visions at first in the uh, like dressing room. She's like getting dresses with like the other wives. And at one point, one like goes to take off her dress and like her face morphs into a demon really quick. And then there's like hands going down yeah. her body. Yeah, like, I mean, her descent is biblical in nature which is also common in a lot of folks suffering from severe mental illness like they did they've seen actual demons in people's faces and hearing demon like i mean that's i mean that's what happens uh and it's sad because like it sounds like she was an attorney in florida too and at least something with like debt collection yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. She seemed like I me. Mean, she seemed like she was like, yeah, in collections as an attorney in Florida, and then you know, hubby takes this huge job in New York. You say, fuck it, yeah, I'll come, let's go. And that's like, so what are you gonna do? Well, decorate your penthouse, uh, spend yeah. money, drink white wine, and hang out with demons. You know? Yeah. So she then has a further nightmare where she sees something in the house she's wandering around she finally comes to her room it's a baby and the baby is playing with something that you don't really know what it is at least i didn't know what it was at first because it's just kind of like bloody entrails find out that in, it's supposed to be her ovaries that were like pulled out of her that he was like playing with basically so she relays this to keanu keanu's like it was a nightmare there's no blood anywhere like you had a nightmare um, she drops on him at this point that she's already gone to the doctor herself and he has told her that she's infertile, like she can't have kids. And that's big because we get some indication that she always wanted to have kids and Keanu was hesitant to it. And at one point in the movie, he says, let's have a kid. Um, but he's having visions of him, like also having sex with Christabella. And yeah, one of those weird sex scenes where it's with two people at the one time. And yeah. yeah. So, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of yeah in this movie because I'll just get out of it. Like, this movie is just one of the overlays of this movie is, you know, the wages of sin and the perils of the flesh. Uh Joe as a good Catholic boy yourself, you can appreciate some of these uh uh old tropes if you will and tactics. Yeah, but and they it plays out also in a very titillating way, uh, you know, as exploitive or opportunistic as it is, uh, definitely is, comes off as crass. But then again, it was also the late nineties. We were just figuring out what to do with tits. So, yeah, there's a lot of like, like right out there shots, but yeah, as someone who was sent to Catholic school for all the way up until senior year of high school, this, this kind of followed the whole, the whole path of what was beaten into our heads. Um, mm-hmm. So he she wants to go back to Gainesville and he's just like, why would we ever go back to Gainesville? That's a fair question. Unless you're <laughs> taking unless you're taking a coaching job. Uh, yeah. uh his mom also comes to visit at one point. And this is one of my parts where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense because she mm-hmm. comes, they are back at the hotel. Uh Al Pacino happens to come out with Christabella and I, I don't know if it's someone else from the firm. I think it is. And 
he's talking to Keanu and his mom. He's like, oh, you raised a great son. Uh, and at the same time, he's like, you want to come upstairs with me to the penthouse, Keanu, so we can talk about the case. And the whole time, the mom's just like silent and won't say anything. And then the next day, she's like, I, I need to leave. I-, I-, I can't be here. So she leaves. And uh, later, we find out why I think that's dumb for this part. But uh-huh. they, uh, he goes to Milton after his wife says she wants to go to Gainesville. And he's like, well, do you think maybe you should jump off this case? And Keanu is basically like, no, because if I do and uh, she gets better, then I might hate her because she made me like jump off this big case that could be really big for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not, not the best guy. Nope. Uh, <laughs> uh, we get back to meet Eddie Barzoon, played by Jeffrey Jones, the managing partner. We see that he's basically in charge of the, the spoliation department of the firm. Uh, uh the in-house ethics person yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh he sort of spoliation so destroying of records uh of, of, yeah of, of evidence, evidence yeah. more importantly you're allowed to destroy records you can't uh, destroy evidence so yeah they keanu just opens one door one uh late night at the firm and Eddie's in there with an entire team, just like telling him like this needs to go in this dumpster this one needs to be shredded here this one will take you all night so uh, he's just like, uh, don't ever, um, don't ever uh, talk about that. He's like, and he <laughs> mentions the Weaver Commission, which we find which... out is like the United States Attorney's Office is looking into them. Uh, Eddie then gets angry at Keanu because apparently Keanu's name has been put on the firm already as like partner status. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm the managing partner of the firm and no one told me about this. Not good at your job, Mr. Barzoom. <laughs> Uh, not good at running either it would seem <laughs> because uh what happens then is uh keanu immediately goes to tell uh al pacino he then uh while this is all happening eddie barzoom is running in the park and uh immediately just gets caught by two homeless guys who i don't know if they're actual people or just demons but they just beat the shit out of him and kill him and a pretty brutal way like because this movie hadn't been that bloody yeah there's like one hit that just like snaps his arm all the way back and i was like damn i didn't expect that from this movie uh yeah it, uh, yeah they were homeless people but also demons and they took tree branches and just <laughs> beat the shit out of him for no reason and also there were like invisible specters chasing him at times and then yeah. there weren't and, and charlie's can see this apparently from her apartment too. yeah well it's got that wonderful park view so yeah you know, but then again maybe she's hallucinating it you know like you don't know uh, who's the reliable narrator here it sounds like everyone's fucking losing it because they work for a guy named john milton who <laughs> well i'll hold off on that spoiler but uh so for in preparation of this case he has been prepping the secretary of craig t nelson's character he basically is going to spin it for the jury to understand that he was cheating on his wife and that's why he couldn't have killed her because he was sleeping with his secretary at the time that this happened. Yep. That's the alibi, baby. Banging the secretary. But he also basically deduces at the same time while preparing the secretary that she's lying and that none of this is true. So he's still, Milton's like, well, whatever you want to do, like I'll still back you. And Kevin is just like, okay, uh, let's do it. And he gets an acquittal for him knowing that, he basically just, you know, entered false evidence uh, into the trial. Mm-hmm. He then has to rush to a church 
because he gets a call that Marianne is in distress, and she claims that she was raped by Al Pacino's character, John Milton. And he's just like, okay, you're crazy. He was with me all day at trial today. There's no Mm. way that could have happened. Uh, There's another just out there nudity scene where she just drops her blanket and she has cuts all over her body. She's like, you did this to me. Mm -hmm. At this point, you're like, fuck, man. Like, all right. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, given the stakes, like, you know, the demonic things, like, okay, that's explainable. But I don't know. It it feels like it's not handled right. You know, like, it's just sort of like, kind of like, wow, look at what we can do here kind of thing. It's not very, it it lacks tact. I'll say that much, much like the nudity generally. Uh, So he gets her committed to a mental institution. Uh, His mom comes up as well to just see them. Uh, Pam Garrity, who is his like uh, case manager, comes there to see her as well. While they're out of the room and just Pam is in there, she's trying to like fix her hair and she shows her herself in the mirror. She sees Pam. Pam has a demonic face. Smacks the mirror, breaks it, barricades the door, takes a piece of the broken uh, mirror. And while Keanu is trying to break down the door to get back into the room, she uh, slices her throat and kills herself. And fucking, like, like I, and graphically, it's just right in the jugular and then a like tear. A, like, yeah, not like a like one of those like movie style where they just like swipe really quick. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, uh, it's more it's of like an like in, and then yeah, saw. like there, there's a goop moment. Like it's, it's rough. Uh, yeah. Actually, I mean, in that respect, it does kind of like lend to the horror credits to this movie in it terms does. of like it does so he like goes uh, this is the one scene in the movie where i didn't understand his actions because basically he just goes to his mom and he's just like so what what was going on with you and john and she's just like okay that's actually the guy that i slept with like he was a waiter at some restaurant that i went to and he knew the bible by heart so we slept together and this is my point. I'm like, why the fuck didn't you tell him that the first time you were here in New York? Mm-hmm. Well, that's an inconvenient plot point for us, I suppose. But uh, I just, yeah, so we learned that Keanu's daddy is, in fact, John Milton, who's been this is very much sort of like a great expectations thing. We're sort of like, oh, well, I've been cult-. when he confronts him. It's like, oh, well, I've been following you your whole life and cultivating and helping out and all that. But instead of sending money or buying his art or some bullshit, uh, you know, he's been blessed with a different gift, it would seem. Yeah, so he goes immediately to confront John. He's still got blood on his shirt and everything from tending to Marianne when she when she passed away. And he just says, he's like, yeah, I, I raped your wife. And so uh, Kevin tries to shoot him. The bullets do nothing because... Not only is he his dad, he is apparently Satan himself. So, yes, listener and and viewer, in case you were wondering if the devil's advocate was actually like a metaphor, (laughs) nope. Like, nope. Like, actually, no, this is the premise. And honestly, it's a badass idea. I like it. Like, it it works. But, like, in retrospect, you're like, God, this is really hammy and stupid. Uh (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It, It tries to, like, both be, like, a cool, like, gothic tale at times and at other times it's like 90s cheese like fully on display and al pacino just in rare form but and to that point what follows then after he realizes that he's the devil and can't kill him with bullets or any conventional weapons 
uh, Al Pacino proceeds to go on like a half hour long soliloquy about it's like, like it's like a good part of the movie. He's like about how God, like about God and like free will and all this stuff. Who are you? Never lost a case. Why? Why do you think? Because you're so fucking good. Yeah. But why? Because you're my father. I'm a little more than that, Kevin. Awfully hot in that courtroom, wasn't it? What's the game plan, Kevin? It was a nice run, Kev. Had to close out someday. Nobody wins them all. What are you? Oh, I have so many names. See, call me dad. Mary Ann, she knew it. She knew it. She knew it, so you destroyed her. You blaming me for Mary Ann? Oh, I hope you're kidding. Mary Ann, you could have saved her anytime you like. All she wanted was love. Hey, you were too busy. That's a lie. Mary Ann in New York? Face it. You started looking to better deal her the minute you got here. That's not true. You don't know what we had. You don't know anything about it. Hey, I'm on your side. You're a liar! No, uh, hey, Kevin, there's nothing out there for you. Don't be such a fucking chump. Stop deluding yourself. I told you to take care of your wife. What did I say? The world would understand. Didn't I say that? What did you do? You know what scares me, John? I leave the case, she gets better, and then I hate her for it. Remember? I know what you did. You set me up. Who told you to pull out all the stops on Mr. Geddes? Who made that choice? It's entrapment, you set me up. And more yet, the direction you took. Popes, swamis, snake handlers, all feeding at the same trough. Whose ideas were those? You played me! It was a test! Your test! And Colin, knowing he was guilty, seeing those pictures, what did you do? You put that lying bitch on the stand. You brought me in. You put me there. You made her lie. I don't do that, Kevin. That day on the subway, what did I say to you? What were my words to you? Maybe it was your time to lose. You didn't think so. Lose? I don't lose! I win! I win! I'm a lawyer! That's my job! That's what I do! I rest my case. Vanity is definitely my favorite sin. Kevin, it's so basic. Self-love, the all-natural opiate. You know, it's not that you didn't care for Marianne, Kevin. It's just that you were a little bit more involved with someone else. Yourself. You're right. I did it all. I let him go. Ah, don't be too hard on yourself, Kevin. You wanted something more, believe me. Left her behind and just kept going. You cannot keep punishing yourself, Kevin. It's awesome how far you've come. 
I didn't make it easy. Yeah, so it's just sort of like, yeah, I mean, think of like, if you take all of the philosophical bullshit in the Matrix movies and boil them all into just one scene, uh, this is what you get. Except instead of, you know, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus kind of like playing around with him and then other people coming in to be like, well, what about Buddhism? Oh, well, what about determinism? Yeah, it's just uh, Al Pacino having fucking fun in front of a huge fireplace and looking demented. And you know what? Pacino fucking slays in this movie. Like oh, yeah. this movie has its short, this movie has its shortcomings, but Pacino's just like, I'm going for it. And you know what? Oh, in a lesser actor, it'd be like, good God, get out of here. But it's Pacino. So you're like, no, I buy it. This is great. That, yeah. I, and it really does look, and I can talk more of an, in like my final notes on the movie and stuff. It just looks like he's having fun. Like he's like, I don't really need to like take this like immensely, like over the top, like serious as a drama film. Like I just want to have fun. Cause like I just, the way he's acting and his mannerism, I can tell he's just having fun, like being this guy. Uh, but yeah, he he tells him he's like, you could have left at any time. I just set the stage, and he wants him to basically sleep with Christabella, who he also reveals is his half sister, uh, no, half daughter. Well, is there is there oh no, it's Kiana's Kiana's half sister. Man, all all these demonic relations get confusing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> and uh, to conceive a child, which would apparently then be the Antichrist. And I love like when there is, I mean, the scene itself is kind of funny because like Keanu goes, you mean the Antichrist? And <laughs> Al Pacino just goes, eh, whatever. <laughs> He's just like, sort of like, yeah, call it what you want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Keanu looks like he's going to be okay with it, but then he's just like, well, you talked about free will, right? He's like, yeah. And he just takes the gun that he has and just shoots himself in the head and kills himself in a pretty brutal uh it's, gunshot it's, to the head and then fire it's not, swells it's not just like a flash where he shoots himself it's like no you see no, the exit wound you see the blood it's gushing you see him fall to the floor uh with his stupid keanu face on still and, uh but this is another series you talk about al pacino i love his face when he screams no no and like the, all the like flames come out and it's just yeah like, the whole penthouse gets lit aflame uh the and, and this is where i got confused where i was like so is christabella a demon too does that mean that keanu's a demon because she just like burns up in the fire and like shrinks. well no i took that to mean that i mean she may be I, I guess demon is something you can work yourself up to be i don't know uh but like she's burned up and she's turned into essentially like this ghoulish gargoyle like skeleton instead of a mm -hmm. proper skeleton i don't know or maybe she is an actual fucking demon i don't know it seems like she was already on that fucking team like she was already with the program whereas yeah. keanu like could have been there had he taken that leap of free will to actually consent to that True. whatever this is a tired theological thing we're getting into <laughs> So what happens after, effectively, after? He, I mean, then we have a jump cut. Yeah, Go. so he, he wakes all back up and standing in front of the mirror where we started at the beginning of the movie, splashing water in his face with his friend, the, the uh, journalist in the room, realizing, what am I going to do about this school teacher case? And just comes back in and says, I cannot represent my client. Be yep. out of just lays a hot... Yeah, and lays a hot fucking public Frencher on his now living wife. Yes. With her perm. 
with her perm yeah. and not possessed by demonic visions. Um, and, and they threatened, like, you could be disbarred. He's like, I don't care. It's talking about how he's going to live you know, a better life or whatever. Uh, Larry, who is the reporter friend, was just like, well, you got to let me interview you for this. A lawyer who all of a sudden has a change of heart and uh-huh. he's going to live, like, on the straight and narrow. He's like, that's a big story. And he's just like, oh, finally, he's like, okay, fine. And as he leaves, Larry, the reporter, morphs back into Al Pacino and goes, like, vanity, my favorite sin. And then that's the end of the movie. So he's, like, still fucked, basically. In the well, then, the which then, like, presents the concept that I guess there's really no free will. Yeah, he's that he's going to. He's going to keep going through this until he submits, I guess. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving this movie more credit than I should in terms of a think piece. Uh, it's good fun. I'll yeah. say that. So that that's the whole plot of the movie. I don't know about you. I don't have any legal points because I don't think this movie really cared about them. And neither did uh, I. Couple. Couple. Okay. Uh, okay. Go. Yeah. I, I, and I didn't jump in earlier on them. But couple. So, and this is a, this is a refrain from... Uh, Shit, I guess it was uh, Cape Fear. We talked about rape shield law statutes. Uh, that was, I guess, a part at the beginning where I was like, this is the 90s, so was it different? Well, I don't really know. Yeah, and it was Florida. I don't know when they adopted theirs, and that's fine, but because uh, like the 90s would be the time where states were starting to be like, oh, yeah. no, we can't let defense attorneys just like fucking rip apart a rape victim for past sexual activity. But, you know, so like there was that. There was also the fact that you know, the state was allowed to make arguments about similar complaints of sexual assault by, you know, the defendant. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are their cases? Where are their charges? Wait, wait, no, you're just going to let someone make these allegations in court? Like, and like, I was watching it with my very intelligent and very fun uh, girlfriend who also happens to be attorney and knows more about this stuff than I do. And we had a good back and forth about it being like, well, you know, is, is that, Per, you know, would that be admissible or allowed in a court? Would it get shut down? And you know, we had a back and forth. And I'm of the position that a, a judge would say, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is like, unless it, even if it's a conviction, like you can't let this in. This is just going to prejudice the jury to make them think like it's a thing. But then she goes, well, but if it's uh, used to establish, uh, you know, sort of a pattern of practice. And then I go, well, no, and that just sounds like propensity and that's disallowed. And so I don't know. It actually raised a really sticky wicket of an evidentiary question uh, to which I don't have a solid answer. So I'm just raising as uh, law nerds. Uh, give it a watch. See what you think. It's kind of fun. Uh, other legal nitpicks, if you will. Uh, yeah, I don't see my man getting made partner at a firm like that within a few months of being there. Like, <laughs> even though he is literally the son of Satan and Satan runs the joint, even Satan understands he's got to respect the process. Uh, I, listen, like Satan created that process. All right. Like Satan created this. He's like, nope, nope. I mean, you know, uh, you know, better to rule in hell and then serve in heaven, but you still got to meet your billables and pay your dues. So I say, fuck that. Uh, I actually really liked the whole like legal arguments of where they came up defending Delory Lindo for killing that goat and being like, no, this is yeah. a religious protection. Like the health code really doesn't apply here. And like, I could actually see that playing out. There's nothing fantastic about it. I'm like, yeah, no, that's a great argument. Fuck them. And it really helps when your client has put a voodoo curse on the prosecutor that prevents him from being able to argue otherwise. 
uh, yeah, I need to get more clients like that. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean, legal points, it hits the culture really well for a firm of that sure. level. Yeah. Like uh, a huge, big law firm, like and, and, not just big, like what is known as big law in terms of like, uh, the legal world where it's like, there's firms out there that like, they're not just like what you think of in a typical law firm. Like they service like foreign governments and nationals and like large scale corporations to put to the point where they don't just have attorneys and support staff like they have like marketing and ctos and like all well, these people who work and their own their own divisions like the different wings have their own marketing teams and things like that i mean like it is fucking war at these places all right and it is cutthroat and it's thankfully joe neither are you neither you or i work at a place like that uh we no. work for more sensible organizations and we you know just practice the law in our little corner of the world and uh just try to make right by I don't know, recording a stupid ass podcast. <laughs> but the one other thing that I, I, I chuckled out loud was when, you know, uh, when Leo, sorry, not Leo, uh, Keanu, sorry, <laughs> uh, when Leo, he starts okay. in New York, he, uh, you know, John Milton, I, aka Satan, his dad, tells him, so we're going to start you out billing at $400 an hour. And I laughed because, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I like uh, for a firm like that, those bastards, even their entry level attorneys, what we call associates, like straight out of law school, they come in billing eight, nine, a thousand, twelve hundred an hour. And I'm like, oh, you've got one of the best criminal attorneys in the country by your esteem, and you're going to build a practice around him at $400 an hour. Uh, inflation is a bitch. I'll say that much. Uh, and also, you know, that also gives you a window into how much the legal like market. Uh, has changed and how bigger firms can charge more and more exorbitantly on these things because they have more market share and resources. It's interesting uh, to think about, but that being said, like, fuck, man, I mean, there, there are attorneys, plenty of attorneys where I practice who charge 400 or more an hour, uh, not necessarily my firm, just my region. And, you know, they don't have an infinity pool on the roof of their <laughs> 50 story building uh, and, you know, Satan as, you know, the controlling market share, like whatever. <laughs> but that's all uh, that, that's on my legal quibbles. Although I'd like to raise a legal point. Uh, sure. The actor who played Bazaloon, uh, Principal Mooney, what's his name again? Uh, Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. So Principal Mooney uh, from Ferris Bueller. Uh, who plays the managing partner who gets beat to death by homeless demons in this movie, yep. uh, would soon go on to get indicted for yeah. child porn. Yeah, like Effectively, I think it was soliciting child pornography. No, 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 no. It was possession and possession, he was soliciting. He was soliciting some too. Like, and then I, I, I had to read up on it. He cut a deal and pled out to some of it. Uh, and he which, got in trouble like multiple times for like failing to re-register. Yeah, wouldn't register as a sex offender. So, and the feds like take that shit seriously. Uh, so, yeah, he hasn't worked too much since those uh, arrests, as one that can was imagine. Like 03, I think that went down. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. That was uh, before the internet was really taking off, where it would have, where he would have been memed somehow, and it was just something yeah. you'd read like in the like little body copy, the small copy in a newspaper being like, holy shit, that guy? Oh, that's fucked up. All right, well, this internet, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So that was that was just because I didn't know that, and then I saw because I had always loved this guy, and then I read that and I was like, "Fuck, man!" Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, I didn't. Man. I didn't know that he had that on his record. Like I knew that he hadn't been in stuff, and I was just like, and I and as as I started reading his Wikipedia, I was like, maybe there's a re- oh, there is a reason why he. Yeah, man, and I'll, I'll be honest, none of us saw it coming. Neither did you when you when you read it, sort of like. <laughs> but then when you see that and you look at him and you're like, okay, I can see it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so moving into our scores on the movie, does this movie pass the bar? Our scores from 0 to 100, over 50 average from both of us means it does pass the bar. Under 50 means it does not. Spencer, I'll start with you. What was uh, your score, and does this movie pass the bar for you? You know, it certainly passes the bar. Aggregating my enjoyable index with legal movie index, I'd give it a, yeah, I'd give it a seventy-eight. You know, it's a solid C plus. Uh, it showed potential, but also really just kept tripping over its own dick and making some mistakes. So yeah, C plus. Uh, it's uh, you know, in college football parlance, I'm I'm gonna gonna call it an Arkansas Razorback football season. Not this season, though, man. Well, well, ju- just That's wait. That's an aberration. Ju- just, just wait. Just wait. We're <laughs> we're four games. It's not even October yet, baby. All right, just give it time. Uh, so I came in uh a little bit lower than you. Um, I gave this movie a sixty-six. Ooh, fuck. I, there was just too much, like, like you said, tripping and bumbling over itself. Where, like, there was great parts of it where, like, Pacino's performance. And honestly, Keanu's performance, I, I didn't mind too much either. Like, did, 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 did you, were you okay with his Southern accent? I, I almost like it because of just like how I'm like, he cooked this up like a week before, like, starting the role. Like, Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So, I okay. At the time, it sucked. Like it was like this is the worst thing ever. Now that Keanu is like post Keanu, uh, as evidenced by the John Wick movies, and you can always be my maybe. Uh, it's actually kind of cute and funny. It's just like, oh, look at baby Keanu playing a fucking you know old Southern lawyer. This is great. So all right. So it it was an enjoyable movie. Like I don't want to say I didn't like it. There was just like so much like cheesiness and like tripping over where I was like, this wants to be both a a very gothic horror movie where it wasn't like about like jump scares and it wasn't about like, you know, blood and guts. It's more just like an overall like horror type movie. Mm-hmm. But then there was also flashes of like that late 90s, early 2000s where at the same time it did a little bit of the jump scares and it did a little bit of like crappy sort of like CGI type monsters where I was like, now I'm out of it again. Uh, and it just, it didn't seem, I didn't know what it was going for a lot of the time. So I would still say that I, I had fun because of the performances and at times the overall cheesiness was endearing to me, but 66 is where I landed. So that's an average of 72 though, still. Uh, that seems fair. That, that seems fair. Yeah. And that's, that's like very down the road, I think for this one. I mean, that's still a, a very easy passing the bar. It's well above our movie from last week. The bonfire mm-hmm. of the vanities. I Jesus mean, Christ, Joe! Don't movie. mention. Don't mention it. Don't <laughs> um, mention it. I, 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 I have never seen something so bad that when I think about it, it makes me even angrier. Like <laughs> I, 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 normally I blow off like, oh yeah, I was shit. 
Uh, no, this is no. Okay, sorry, sorry. So yeah, we don't. No, that's pass the bar from from both of us uh, easily. But moving into our last sort of fun section on the actual movie itself here, um, what kind of person would X character be in law school? So I, I put down four. There was other attorneys and like case managers and stuff in it, but I, I didn't want to go through the entire firm. Yeah, that, uh, that's too. Yeah, fuck it. All right, give us so, a break. We're we're expediting this for your benefit, listener. So the first one I had was Eddie Barzun, Jeffrey Jones himself. Like, I I couldn't get a read on what kind of person he was because. I'll, and I'll talk about this later in one of the other people that I have. He seems like the one that actually was a real person. Like he mm-hmm. wasn't a demon. Like he wasn't a, uh, you know, fallen angel. Like he was just a person who worked at this firm. Um, he does seem older. Uh, Jeffrey Jones is one of those guys who just has always seemed old to me too. Yeah. No, he's been the same. Like between that and Ferris, fuck, actually. Between that movie and Ferris Bueller is only 12 years, but it feels like two decades in between. Yeah. He just always seemed like older to me. So I, I don't know. It seemed like he was a guy who would have gone to uh, law school a long time ago, very like by the book sort of guy, but at the same time, like might preach that, but is willing to like do anything he can to get one over on someone as we see from how he's willing to just destroy. Evidence. Yeah. Now uh, at that level, yeah, he's probably, I mean, he went to a top tier law school, law school and yeah. was never an idealist by any means other than he'd say what he needed to, to get a job. But uh, yeah, I don't know, he went right out of a Harvard or Yale law school, right into New York and worked up finance and figured out, you know, he paid his dues. He grinded his way up, figured out uh, who was successful, what tricks to learn, like how to play that game beyond just the legal game, but the big firm life, how to survive and how to thrive uh, and how to take advantage and how to, put fault on other people when shit goes sideways or south and uh so yeah i mean like yeah uh yeah joe i mean you know with your humble law background your humble law school you you never met one of these uh ivy league types like myself uh but uh i i i knew a hundred uh of these fellows uh at, at my still as yet to be identified generically east coast law school but uh yeah uh, I think I kind of ran out of steam there, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and then for the next one I had down Christabella, which again, I don't know if she's a real person in this movie. Um, but if she was, I mean, she would have been like an, like, like a stereotypical where you say like ice queen. Like she would have been like someone who just like didn't laugh, didn't mess around, was just there to like destroy people in law school. Uh, well, uh, I'll flip that on you. She doesn't become that ice queen until fifteen or twenty years of practicing at this level. So well, maybe I don't, at, I don't at, know at that law from the school. Movie, at, well, I mean, I'm just saying it's it, rarely is the psychopath so apparent that they are like that in law school, and then and then are still that and successful twenty years later. I think that's something you grow into. I think yes. in law school she would have been a she would have been a very popular law student uh some and of the girls some of the girls wouldn't have liked up, her but here's i'll bring up why i disagree with you because okay. moving on to our next person keanu reeves's character kevin lomax this dude would have sucked in law school he would have absolutely sucked because 
I think he's kind of the same as Christabella, or taking that like if we're gonna say that like he, they were predestined in being half the devil or whatever. But we see a lot from him. He's like, I don't like to lose. I never lose. I never take a plea deal. I never. So this dude would have just sucked because he would have not bent on anything in law school with you. Like, he oh god, been like, you're right. You're <laughs> fucking right on that, man. Oh Jesus. Uh, and that's not something that you don't acquire that kind of supremacy. You just are <laughs> gifted that, what, like, so to speak. Uh, and I don't think he's an Ivy League lawyer either in this too. Oh hell no! He like, went. To, I think he went to UF. Like he went to Florida Law. Yeah, or you know, maybe, Georgia, like super, maybe Georgia if he lucked into true. it. Um, well, because he's like super close with his mom, so he definitely did not go far to law school i think yeah maybe you know got his law degree at some skirt church uh in the panhandle you know alahatchee law tech and (laughs) faith and deliverance center uh whatever uh and then the last one uh, john milton what would the devil be like in law school i guess um is the question so Uh, I, i so i guess he's just he just is law school yeah. Is what you're saying. Like, you would just he, revel he, in all the torture that everyone's He's the under. structure, uh, the economic incentive. <laughs> he the, is the curve. He is, no, he is the curve. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But shout out to Pacino on this role. This is actually, I used to think this was one of his more forgettable movies, but having got to rewatch it, like I really enjoyed his performance. Just every scene he's in, he just steals and chews it. And he's just like, I'm having so much fucking fun. And it just shows how much he like can elevate a movie when he's in it. Yeah. You know, you got dipshits like this. Oh, you mean the kid from the movie in the with the bus? All right. Yeah, (laughs) I'll do that. Uh also though, fun point. This is the first of two movies where Keanu Reeves would go on to have face-to-face conversations with Satan. Can you name the second? Constantine? Yeah, Constantine. Constantine. Uh, and I, can't, some, I can't remember who plays the devil in that movie, though. Uh, it's the dude who... Okay. Uh, also, that movie does a role. I like he plays, he plays the lead nihilist. I can't think of the actor's name, but he plays the lead nihilist and oh, porn uh, star from The Big Lebowski. Peter Stormare. Uh, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and he plays Satan great, just like, and he plays like Pacino does, actually, like just sort of like, like having fun and, with it. Yeah. Uh huh. You gotta, yeah. Like, like Satan, that, that shit's heavy, man. You can't listen. Satan's not gonna win by like being dour. Yeah. yeah you're gonna have fun with Satan. That's why cocaine exists. Like, it's <laughs> just like, yeah. All right. So then, kind of a, we've kind of started in our last couple of movies some like fun production notes that I found on this movie, too. Um, we mentioned, uh, the best part of this movie is Al Pacino, bar none. Um, but he rejected this role on three occasions before he finally accepted it. And he said it was too cliched, which I was like, yeah, you're probably right there. Smart uh, guy. He even suggested other people's for the, uh, for the role. He suggested first Robert Redford, which. No. I mean, I could see it, but that'd be a totally... I don't see Redford having fun. He'd be steely-eyed He'd and very, very like, like... Yeah, stoic. Um, and then Sean Connery is who he suggested as well. Well, I think Connery would have played up the sex part, like the very, <laughs> you know... Ah, no, Connery... I could see Connery doing it. Yeah, Redford, that's a totally different movie, though. 
which uh, might be a good thing, but <laughs> so and how we mentioned already that Keanu turned down Speed Two. He was going to get eleven million dollars to star in Speed Two, turned it down to play this, and then uh, also uh, agreed for a huge pay cut so that they could meet Pacino's salary demands to get him in the movie too. Which Team I was player. like. like Fucking Tom Brady here taking a pay cut so he can keep his talent around him. Well, if I were an actor and they'd be like, hey, if you take a little bit of like still get paid millions, but we can have Al Pacino, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I could probably do that just to like be able to work with Al Pacino. I did say Pacino um, watched The Devil and Daniel Webster to prepare for this role. And he read Dante's Inferno and Paradise Lost, which, okay. I mean, yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. Oh, and Craig T. Nelson was cast specifically because of his TV uh, roles in this, because they wanted him to be cast against type, because he's such, I mean, he's coach, he's fucking coach, he's so likable, and they want him to be like a villainous type in this to like break that mold. Yeah, and he did fine. His character's not important. It's just a plot contrivance for Leo to, you know, I keep doing that. <laughs> Keanu, not Neo, not Leo. <laughs> Keanu, to like, I mean, he's a plot contrivance, but like, it's Craig T. Nelson. Like, show me someone who doesn't like Craig T. Nelson, and I'll show you someone who doesn't know a good time. Uh, speaking of Craig T. Nelson, so the shots that were in Craig T. Nelson's home, uh, like when he was getting interviewed and he had the gun on him, do you know whose home that was? Bernie Madoff's. That was the man himself. Donnie T's penthouse. Wow. Man, Trump has always had shitty taste. Jesus. Dude, his penthouses are disgusting looking. And I say that in, you know, my middle class setting here, but I'm like, fuck. But yeah, that was his Fifth Avenue penthouse. (laughs) He went for that. Uh, So, I mean, because like I said, a ton of, this was actually all filmed around New York. And it was um, even some of the Florida scenes were filmed in Jacksonville too so like they really oh, that's went good enough yeah but i don't know some of those shots just still did not look good uh speaking of legal points with this movie though this movie actually was the subject of a lawsuit as well um so the scene near the end where there's all the angelic statues kind of like morphing and moving around in the back mm-hmm. of al pacino while he's talking that uh was under a claim from frederick hart who sculpted the facade of the Episcopal National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., saying that it was basically a copy of his sculpture. And he said that it infringed on his copyright uh, rights. Well, it might. So what happened was both he and the cathedral sued. Um, the Love studio. it when a cathedral gets to <laughs> sue someone. Like, that's a red-letter day. The- <laughs> uh, they argued fair use or that they didn't even know about it when they made it. But basically what happened was a settlement was reached, which just had them, uh, they had to attach all stickers to all the unedited videotapes to say there was no relation between this movie and Hart's work. Uh, so the, And they edited the scene for all future releases. So mm. there was less sight given to them. Uh, and it's funny, just that set, that settlement had to be reached because remember, this was the 90s, specifically so that VHS copies could get to Blockbuster for rental. Mm-hmm. Because people Rest, forget uh, that's that's how we used to make a lot of money in the days on movies. 
I wonder how many cardboard cutouts of <laughs> promotional materials for the devil's advocate that used to like, you know, dominate the corners of your blockbusters or other video chains. I wonder how many are still existing. Like, I wonder how many people still have the devil's advocate cardboard thing of like Pacino <laughs> oh, with flames. I fucking want to, I want to find that person. I don't necessarily want to buy one, but I would like to like, yeah, I, I'd like to come check it out in the parlor. I mean, like, so oh, right, yeah. what's your story? Like, I mean, when I worked at a movie theater, big surprise, I worked at a movie theater. Um, we would just take all the old posters as soon as they were out of rotation and be like, Hey, this poster for like such and such three, do you need it? They're like, no, we're just going to throw it out. I'm like, oh, I'll take it. You know, there's also, there was a prequel written about this movie uh, called Judgment Day. They tried to get it made into a series in 2014 and that did not happen. But don't worry, there's a musical in development for The Devil's Advocate. All right, I'm in. Actually, this could work better. <laughs> this could work better theatrically as a musical, if we're being the honest. Gothic themes could work a lot better as a musical, I think. Mm-hmm. For yep. sure. Uh, all right. So that's that's all I had for production notes. For my final thoughts on the movie, I mean, I even with the score that I gave it, I would still say go see it. If you have HBO Max, it's on HBO Max, so it's a free watch. Uh, it's it's got some cheesy '90s stuff, but it's got a lot of familiar faces. It is two and a half hours long, so it is a little bit of a long. Yeah, and there, there, there are plenty of places to trim that I'd recommend, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, when I started playing it the other night, I was just like, fuck, how is this movie two and a half hours long? But yeah. it does cover a lot of terrain, but this movie, you know what, with smart writing and good editing could have been pared down to a tight two, like, and would have been just fine, even better, but... Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on the movie, but I would just say myself that it was enjoyable. I I liked it. It's don't expect a great movie, but you'll have fun with some of the performances. Oh yeah, I think uh, if you like law movies, you should watch this one just because it is like very much, <laughs> at least for most attorneys, uh, very much not at all like anything they've encountered so it's very fantastical but also very fun uh mm -hmm. and also like if you get into the like you know good versus evil bullshit you know that kind of uh thematic paradigm like it's fun to engage in too and or if you like al pacino watch it if you're a big keanu guy watch it if you think Charlize theron has been an underrated actress most of her career much like i do well maybe don't watch it uh <laughs> But she does good enough. Yeah. No, I mean, it's an, it's still an enjoyable movie. So my thoughts would be, if you have HBO Go, or HBO Max, sorry, uh, make sure to watch it. Um, but yeah, uh, from Spencer and myself, remember, never talk to the cops, never go to law school, and none of this is legal advice. Damn straight. Damn straight.